Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 290 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about a basically universal topic among tennis competitors, and that is how to handle tennis cheaters. And I know this is going to be valuable to you. And I've, I've done a, a kind of a bunch of consulting with the other pros here in the office. And so there are some varying degrees of different viewpoints on how to handle these, these tricky situations. But this topic came about through a listener who actually messaged me early this morning and got the message. And I knew I had to talk about this right away because I don't think this topic has really been given its own episode on the podcast before. So here's what this listener wrote to me. I'm going to completely keep all of this 100% ambiguous. I don't want I don't want anybody to figure out who this is or who's being talked about. So I'm taking out all names of clubs and players and going to be referring to these players as them and they, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So this, this person wrote to me and said, I have a private question that has shaken my tennis life. I call it tennis life because it encompasses so many things besides what happens on the courts. Everything is interconnected now. Last week, I played a match against some friends. It was neck and neck. During the match, one of the opponents called out one of my shots, which we clearly thought was in. The opponent walked up to the mark and checked it, said it was out, and when we switched sides, I checked the mark. The ball mark was clear, half in the alley line and half out. The match went on like this. My partner aced them on the outside line, and I was so excited, but the opponent didn't call the ball at first, didn't even reach for it, and then said out. My partner said they were sure at the very least three balls were called out that were in. The second set, we lost 1-6, and I really didn't feel like fighting to win the game at all. I lost all focus. My focus became, will they call balls out or in? I could barely shake their hands because I was so disgusted. Later, one of the opponents called me. I cannot call some of my best friends cheaters, but that's what they were. Now I feel differently about tennis as a whole. Please tell me how to handle my feelings for my friends. Cheating is not something I can just, quote, let go. I have now... I'm sorry, I've not told anyone because it's too horrible to accuse someone of something so low. What's your experience with this? How do you handle this with professionalism? Any tips for next time? Thanks in advance. Okay, so I'm going to address those specific questions related to that specific scenario. And we're going to kind of save the relational stuff for last a little bit. But first, I want to get into some more universally... Uh, helpful things for everybody listening, and that's going to include specifics on how to respond to to bad line calls, what we perceive are bad line calls, and really hopefully give you kind of a blueprint for for how to deal with this. Because if you compete at tennis, it will it will happen, and it's a scenario that you will have to navigate. So brings me to point number one. I'm really going to break this into three different main sections, and the first one. I've simply written, amateur tennis players are terrible at line calls. And I'm an expert in this. I'm an expert in this field after spending tens of thousands of hours, somewhere, I think somewhere near 30,000 hours, on the court with amateur adult athletes, watch, watching them, coaching them, helping them get better, observing matches. I've watched adults of all levels, all ages, 
And I, I'm telling you 100% every match, there are many calls on both sides of the court that are completely, completely wrong. And it's, it's just part of the game to be totally, totally honest, just laying it out there. I don't care how good you think your vision is. I don't care how much of an angel you think you are. You've made some terrible line calls. And it, it just, it happens. Like we're in the heat of the moment whether, and there's the competitive uh, kind of juices flowing. There's a lot of action, especially in doubles. And we can swear we see one, one thing, but it may be something totally different. And if you've listened to many episodes of this podcast, you know that this is a big theme for me, the fact of just awareness and experience being different than reality. And that, that happens with line calls as well. And it has nothing to do with players being malicious or players trying to cheat or players being bad people. And I can, again, tell you that from experience because I've corrected players countless times, usually in lessons or like a drill groove or like a team practice. And the response, the vast majority of the time is shock and personal embarrassment. Just the player, and I I only say anything if usually in that scenario when I was teaching full-time, I wouldn't say anything either way unless I was asked. And so it's not like I was jumping in and being like, oh, no, you're wrong. Like that was way in or way out or whatever. Occasionally, uh, usually when somebody uh, wasn't sure, you know, I'd go ahead and let them know. But I wasn't jumping in and correcting players unless they were asking me for my input. But usually when I was asked and I, I let them know, no, it was actually something else, I would only answer if I was completely sure, A. And usually players were extremely surprised to learn what the truth was. And you must lean hard in the direction of giving players the benefit of of the doubt because a usually they really don't have any idea and again i'm not this isn't just like me trying to be a nice guy i'm just telling you based on experience i'm telling you based on experience players the vast majority of the time it's not malicious and the vast majority of the time they have they honestly have no idea they just made a bad call And that's kind of just on the experiential kind of data side of things, just my personal experience. But just from uh, a emotional management and kind of competitive environment management side of things, this is very practical as well. If you don't lean hard in the direction of giving people the benefit of the doubt in this area, it'll drive you absolutely crazy because it won't stop. It, it won't stop because there, there's bad calls all the time. <clears throat> and it, again, not not because it's intentional or malicious, because it just happens. And so if you take it upon yourself to try to make everybody perfect and make amazing lying calls and always give you the benefit of the doubt, then you'll just drive yourself nuts and you'll go into vigilante mode and it won't even be worth it anymore because you'll make yourself absolutely miserable. I'm just telling you that's how it's going to work. And I, the person asking the question today, you can tell by, by hearing the tone and hearing the words being used, which I adjusted a little bit just to, to keep everybody safe and not uh, keep it ambiguous. You can tell that this person is leaning in that direction where it's completely ruining the game and it's, it's not worth it, especially when we all make poor calls here and there. Players have a hard, I mean, just think about it practically for a second before we change gears here. Players have a hard enough time calling lines on their own side of the court. Calling the ball reliably from the other side of the court is next to impossible. And so, I, t- to be honest with you, I don't care how sure you are. And, and in the 
particular question that I got today, there was actually a clay court mark. We'll talk about that in a second. But rarely is there any kind of objective measurement, unless you're playing on clay. And bad play, bad calls get get made all the time from players' own side of the court. Trying to tell from the other side, oh, that was definitely a bad call. You honestly don't have any idea. <laughs> you can tell when it's really, really close, but you really don't have any clue 100% unless you're standing right there and your only job is to just tell whether or not the ball was in. You're not trying to play it. You're not trying to compete in the points. You don't have the kind of the fog of war of the competition going on. Think about professional line judges for a second. You know, we all kind of laugh at the line judges when they get it wrong wrong, and the opponent challenges and it's like, oh, wow, that was out by an inch. Like, how did they miss that? That's a great question. That that line judge has been trained and it's what they, it's what they do, at least part-time, professionally. I mean, they're being, they're being paid to make line calls. They've been trained uh, assumedly in, in a way to make them as accurate as possible. And it's their only job. They're not playing the points. They get it wrong, sometimes by a pretty good margin. So the the idea that all your line calls are great is just wrong. Let's, let's, I'm just going to lay it all out on the table here. I'm putting myself in that category. The idea that all my line calls are great and perfect is absolutely wrong. Same with everybody else. The idea that I could possibly accurately tell whether or not a line call is good or bad from the other side of the net, you know, after years and years of playing, you've got a pretty good feeling, but it's difficult enough from 40, 60, 80 feet away that you must just let it go. If you cannot just let it go, then it will absolutely 100% drive you crazy. It will 100% drive you crazy. So takeaway number one today, understand that a huge percentage of bad line calls are completely unintentional. And in a club setting, maliciously bad calls are very few and very far between. Does it happen? Yes, it does happen. We're going to talk now about what to do uh, in that situation. So how do you handle it in in the moment? Let's get some practical things here. Well, on clay, clay is best case scenario because you can ask to see the mark, you can ask for it to be circled, and but by the way, this doesn't like solve the problem because the wrong mark can still be circled. The wrong mark can still be looked at, and that that happens all the time. So it's not like it's foolproof. It's not like it's it's one hundred percent. And even if the mark is there, it's open to interpretation. That happens in professional matches all the time. So it's not one hundred percent. But when you ask to see the mark and you ask to have it circled, at least your opponent knows that you're watching. Your opponent knows that you're aware of what's happening. And you're not going to just let things you know, slide uh, or you're not going to just roll over if they decide to start calling the lines close. And so it, it's a, frankly, it's, it's a good thing. If you, if you think that there's some suspect calls and just ask to see the mark. And that's enough to keep an honest sports person really alert and, and usually get the benefit of the doubt or at least check the mark first. Granted, there's some bad habits out there, and that comes with the territory too. Not everybody is great at making line calls, and they, they seem to think it's more subjective than, than it really is. There's a lot of players out there that aren't aware that if there's any doubt, then the, the call should be in. It should not be an out call. And there's some players that just don't understand the rules, and there needs to be grace in that area as well. If every every single time somebody does something that annoys you or is a little bit against the rules, if you're 
uh, response to that internally is just to stew on it and and uh, kind of have it be a thorn in your side, then there's no chance you'll ever be able to compete with a clear mind. And this this is just kind of a universal mental toughness thing. Everybody will always have something that bugs you about how they play, whatever, how many times they bounce the ball, or how long they, they take between points, or how they call the score, or whatever. There's a million and one different ways to be annoyed on a tennis court. How people make line calls is certainly a big one, definitely in probably top five or top 10. And so it's one of those things that you have to be prepared to be annoyed by and then just keep playing the match. And that's honestly that's honestly the best way to go about it. So, uh, now on hard courts, hard courts are a little bit more difficult. The only recourse there is really asking, are you sure? And that's really it. And my biggest advice is simply to ask, just to let them know that you're paying attention and you, you want to make sure things are called fairly. And then 100% from there, you have to just detach from the process, detach from whatever their decision is, and just go play the next point. It honestly matters very little. I'm leaving myself a little bit of room there. It matters very little how bad of a call you think it is. And remember, go back to takeaway number one, which is, a huge percentage of bad line calls are completely unintentional, and very few calls are made that are malicious and intent. Reality is also that few shots land really, really close to the line. It's it's a tiny percentage of overall shots that you hit in a match, and you shouldn't be aiming anywhere close to the lines anyway in hardly any situations or circumstances at hardly any levels of tennis. And so uh, as I was discussing this with the other pros earlier today, Kevin was was talking about how when there's questionable line calls, it fuels him tremendously because it, it raises his competitive uh, nature. It really, it really kind of um, brings him to a new level of intensity and focus. And it also causes him to pull in his, his margins, which I think is really smart, especially on a, on a hard court where you cannot check the lines. If, if you're intending to aim anywhere close to the line, it's a bad play anyway. And against somebody who is annoying you with how they're making line calls or what their line calls are, you're just asking for a snowball effect of frustration. So I think Kevin's really smart in, in his response to, to kind of pull margins in, give yourself a little bit of extra space, and just prepare to, to have to maybe grind it out a little bit more. But just do what you have to do to win. I, I think all great competitors have that mentality. If everything that your opponent does annoys you and gets under your skin, then it's going to be next to impossible to enjoy the game. And it's going to be next to impossible to win consistently because there will always be things that annoy you about everybody that you play. And that's just kind of life in general, <laughs> driving or or waiting to check out at the grocery store or whatever. There's something is going to come up from somebody that gets in your way and bugs you. And so I think it's just, frankly, a good life lesson a lot of times in tennis to learn how to, how to just let it go. Now, that being said, there are situations where it is malicious it's you know there's a reason why most of the most of the episode is going to be focused on on giving people the benefit of the doubt because that's the vast vast majority of situations but there are situations where they are bad calls and they are happening consistently or the or worst case scenario the player is actually uh 
being malicious and is actually being a bad sports person. It's only happened to me personally a couple of times ever. Uh, maybe I tend to lean you know, a lot towards giving people the benefit of the doubt, but I never saw much point in getting worked up about it anyway, because at the end of the day, there's nothing that you can practically do about it besides ask for a third-party ref if it's possible or available. And in USTA matches, generally there are there are officials there. When I worked full-time at a country club, uh, both the clubs I worked at before I started doing the website full-time, the pros would be on hand to watch and to kind of coach a little bit. And they would also act as kind of third-party lines people or not lines people, but officials. And so we would just stand at the net post. And if there was a dispute, we would just kind of we would kind of uh, weigh in and and help the situation. And so at at a lot of clubs, that's going to be an option, not all of them. But at uh, sanctioned USDA co- uh, competition matches, it'll it'll be an option as well. There will be an official there. So if after several as examples of what you believe and you're, you're very confident was a willful miscall of a shot of yours, I would I would highly recommend you go to that first. Uh, but still, there's there's not a whole lot you can do beyond that. Besides what I'm calling the nuclear option. And I've only I've only seen this personally happen once. And it actually ended up, I think, pretty much diffusing the situation. And what the nuclear option is, is a retaliation hook. It means you're purposefully, the situation that I saw was a teammate of mine in college. And he was very, very convinced that a lot of line calls were going the the wrong way uh, and he was just being cheated just just flat out and so he made the decision that after he served on the next game after another kind of bad line call gave his opponent a game he served his opponent hit the return back in the middle of the singles court i mean the middle of the singles court and my teammate caught the ball and said out and walk to the other side of the court. <laughs> and this is something that really should almost, almost never be resorted to. And I actually pulled, I was really curious to ask the other coaches. There's three other coaches here in the office full-time, Kevin, Kirby, and, and Megan. And we were actually split on it. Uh, Megan and myself, uh, our opinion is that it can be the kind of the only option or the only resort in a really extreme situation. And again, I've only seen it used once. And the match, by the way, that particular match, there ended up being no more problems the rest of the match. Kevin told me a story about a match that ended up in a fist fight when that same thing happened. <laughs> and now granted, this is college tennis. And so, you know, pressure tempers are are can be really high and intensity is really high and competitiveness is really, really high. So most club matches, first of all, if you're playing a club match, this should almost, almost never, I mean, one in a million be resorted to. It's an extreme response, but admittedly, I mean, I'm going to say, and Megan says, uh, or rather it's Megan's opinion, and it's my opinion is a better way of saying it, that Sometime it can, sometimes it can be warranted, but I, I think it should only be used in an extreme situation and only when there's really something important on the line. I think in just your average club match, it's just not that important to, to make a scene out there and to really go to that 
extent of kind of retaliating, willf- willfully making a bad call just because you can, just to try to get back at the other player. And honestly, in the in the instance of my my teammate, it wasn't just to quote get back. It's more so to kind of send a message and say like, listen, I I've had. I, I know that you know I'm watching because I've asked I've asked for kind of confirmation on multiple calls. I don't think this is going fairly. This is the only recourse I have. I'm trying to send a very very strong message here that I don't appreciate the the willfully bad calls. And that's the only time it should ever be considered ever is if you know that they're purposefully making bad calls repeatedly. And I really even hesitate, frankly, to publicly say that I think it's an option. And I, I've, what I said before, I think is accurate. It's probably about a one in a million case where it's, it's, where it could possibly do any good, and where it's something that uh, is warranted at all. By the way, uh, Kevin and Kirby both said absolutely not under no situations, uh, in no situations, under no circumstances. Could that possibly be the right play? And I respect that 100. Um, percent I, you know, I don't blame them for having that opinion at all. For being somebody who, who like publicly and openly uh, publishes content and instruction, I, you know, again, I like hesitate to give my opinion on that because I don't want anybody to ever lean in that direction. I've I've never personally done it. And I honestly, I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever will. I don't, I don't think I'll personally ever be in a match that's that important that it's necessary. Um, I think there's a lot of different variables at play. It's probably not something I'll ever exercise, but I I wanted to discuss it and and kind of throw it out there. And I'm sure there's people out there that would have the question if I didn't address it, what I thought of it. So that's, that's my opinion. So uh, takeaway number two here is ask for confirmation then let it go and raise your margins if necessary, meaning pull in your specific targets. Okay, so uh, first part of the show, I talked about our just how difficult it is to make great line calls and that there's mistakes happening all the time. And it's extremely extremely important to give the benefit of, of the doubt the vast majority of the time and just know that a bad line calls are happening all the time and malicious calls are extreme extremely rare takeaway number two ask for confirmation in the moment then completely let it go and raise your margins and your focus and let that be kind of your tactical response to repeated questionable calls now to, to wrap up today, I just want to kind of give my, my personal advice to the specific question asker who's really, really kind of torn on this. And uh, cheating, this person said, cheating is not something I can just let it go. Uh, I've not told anybody about this because it's too horrible to, to accuse some, somebody of something so low. And here's what I would simply say to that. Like, I, I think, the, think the key here is all in your approach. I think the key here is in how you craft your communication. And at the, at the end of the day, you've got to choose here. You have a choice. You can choose between communicating openly and honestly or losing your friend or possibly the game of tennis. That's honest. That's honestly the choice you have here. If bad line calls or or um, perceived bad line calls are going to bother you that much, and you're not willing to communicate about it, 
then it very well could end the friendship or friendships that you have with these people. And it could end your relationship with tennis. And that's just the honest, based on your reaction here and response, it's the honest truth. And the, these, these calls happen constantly. And so it's not going to get any easier, honestly. It's not, it's not like you're going to get to a certain level and all of a sudden everybody's line calls are, are amazing and you don't, have, you don't have the thought anymore of, wow, I wonder if that was in. There, there will always be those situations, no matter who you're playing, how close to friends you are, whatever, whatever the situation, it will always happen in tennis. It's part of the game. So I think the way you approach communication is key. And I would approach it 100% as a concerned friend, not in an accusatory way at all. And the way that you, you worded your, your question here made it sound like that's the only way to approach this. Uh, I've not told anyone because it's too horrible to accuse someone of something so low. You're, you're, not, you're not getting together with, for coffee or beer with this person because you're going to confront this person and say, you're a cheater and those calls were terrible and you're a bad person. Like that, That's not at all what should happen here. If you approach the, communica- the, the um, conversation rather in that way, then of course it's going to go terribly. And, and of course there's going to be some kind of fallout and probably will end the friendship. So any kind of approach in that direction is not the way you should go about this. Should be something along the lines of, there's something that's been really bothering me and I, I've just got to get it off my chest. I've got to get this out in the open because I, I don't want it to affect our friendship. I don't want it to affect our tennis, how much enjoyment that we have together on the courts. And so I just, I need to tell you that our, our match the other day, there were a bunch of calls that really bothered me and maybe you go ahead and bring up specific ones and that's totally fine but just I would a hundred percent approach it from a perspective of just really wanting to to be a hundred percent on the same page with this person wanting to put it out in the open wanting to continue to have a great relationship with this person if you go at it in an accusatory tone then of course it's not going to go well and so I would a hundred percent communicate you've got two choices you can communicate or you can let it go, or the third choice would be continue to be resentful, and and it sounds like if you don't talk to this person, that's the way you're going to go, and so I 100% recommend that you put it out in the open, and more than likely, the response is going to be unbelievably, overwhelmingly apologetic. I think you'll be really surprised to find that 99% of the time, that will be the response, players really aren't out there to get you. We're not playing for millions of dollars. And at the end of the day, most players are out there because they want to enjoy it too. And there will be the cases of malicious calls, but it's not as often as everybody makes it seem. And so I think it's best to to simply put it out there, go, go use the best practices I laid out in this episode. I, I hope it's really, really helpful. I hope the perspective is really, really helpful. One final note here. There's a cool gadget called InOut. If you go to inout.tennis, that's www.inout, that's I-N-O-U-T, dot tennis. There's this cool device. I think it's like 200 bucks, and you you put it right on the net post. And within a, I don't remember the, it's within a centimeter or two, I think. Maybe it's two centimeters. Calls the lines for you and even charts it on an app and everything. 
I think stuff like that is going to start becoming relatively standard. It's going to take a while for clubs to adopt it and for players to adopt it. But hopefully it's something that players start to use more because it can make it completely objective and there doesn't have to be any more human error uh, involved anymore. Or at least we can just blame the machine instead of blaming each other because there are lots of bad calls out there. But just trust that most of them are not on purpose. And that's really the biggest message for me to put out there today to tennis players. Hope this has been helpful to you. If you have anything to add, you can always feel free to reach out to me at Ian, I-A-N, at EssentialTennis.com. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care and good luck with your tennis.